increase in God's power, His love, His blessing, His spirit, and anointing. Does anybody want that? Do you want that? It's true. God, you were created for it. David said, Psalm 23, he said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, what? Overflows. God's desire and God's design for your life is that his presence overflows, that his goodness overflows. Psalm 65, 9 says, your presence, the presence of the Lord causes the earth to overflow. You greatly enrich it. The river is full of water and it brings forth grain. God's presence in your life, I believe, as you cultivate that more and more, even this year, that God's going to cause your life to overflow. It's not just going to be your life. Everything around you is going to become enriched. God's river is going to flow through your life this year, I believe, in a, in a way unlike any other way. This is the governmental shift. I believe it's going to take place. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, the, the new year, the head of the year, the governmental change is in September. It's in about a month. And so I believe this is God's going to do something great. Psalm, I think, uh, Psalm says this, you crown the year with goodness, and in all your ways they drip with abundance. God's ways drip with abundance. I don't know if you know that. The very word shalom, anybody know what shalom means? Shalom. Fullness, very good. Anybody else? What's the traditional? Well, you guys have been here for a while. You guys are getting all the right answers. Remember this peace, you know? Not elevate. You guys go for the high place. No, not just peace. Fullness, abundance, it literally means flourish. It means overflow. The word picture is of a river flowing, overflowing its banks. So when somebody says shalom to you, they say, may your life overflow with the goodness of God. May your life and may the presence of God be abundant in every area of your life. That's really what the word shalom means. Favor and inheritance. So we have this word that God's design and desire for us is overflow. Oh, are, you just, is, are we tired of settling for what is not ours? Are we tired of living off of what doesn't belong to us? Are you tired of a life? You know, some people, they have a, you know, a, like a brook. Yeah? And most Christians are actually spend their time constantly searching for water. And most Christians actually accept the fact that their land is dry and that there's no, and they just kind of take what comes. But that's not God's design for you. His design is that your life be ever increasing and overflowing. I didn't say you wouldn't have problems, but your problems won't defeat you. We serve a victorious God. We are more than what? We are overcomers in every area, more than conquerors, overcomers in every area of our life. Doesn't mean we don't have problems, but it means that problems are not to defeat us. The river overcomes the abundant overflow of victory in your life. When the problem comes, the abundant overflow cancels out the victory, bounces out the defeat. You serve a God who loves to break into impossible situations and reverse their effects. That's who he is. That's who he is. Where's your faith? Faith activates it. Right? Faith, say it with me. Faithfulness qualifies me for destiny. And faith activates it. That's right. So we have, we have I'm going to talk to you a little bit because this is a basic understanding. We have an inheritance of favor. So at most, you're guaranteed favor. If you're a Christian, you're guaranteed. Favor's on your life. You're going to overflow. You didn't even do anything and God delivered you. You didn't even do anything and God blessed you. You didn't even doing any, do anything and the Lord provided for you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, I didn't even do anything. It just happened because his favor is on you. So you have the inheritance of favor. Say it with me, the inheritance of favor. And I have the destiny of favor. Mm-hmm. Two different things. This is the different points in the scripture. All of God's things, the inheritance to the believer, and then there's a destiny attached to the believer's life. The inheritance is measure. Destiny is fullness. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> exactly. If we can't even get the church to measure, where church isn't even at measure. Christians don't even walk in measure. We're not even, a, we're not even manifesting an, a me, our inheritance in measure. We got to get the people to, to measure, and then we call them to, to destiny. You can skip measure and go right at destiny. I got news for you. You can skip it. You can go right there. I know I have an inheritance. Let's go after destiny. You settle for things that don't belong to you. 
Who told you that? Who told you it had to be the way it was? Who told you that this is the, this is the way it's always going to be? Who told you that? Most Christians, there's a great fall, there's a falling away that happens oftentimes with Christians within four or five years because there's no, there's no power in their faith. It happens all the time. They wane. People wane. They walk away because there's no active power in their life because it's not, A, it's not taught to them, so there's no instruction in power, and B, they, they never develop the, the, I would say, desire to walk in it. Once you taste God's power, you don't want anything else. Once you taste, come on, right there. Once you taste God's power, you don't want anything. I'm not just talking about the power of salvation. I'm talking about the power that's readily available to you in every area of your life, right? Not the would you, could you, should you, but what God will actually bring forth from your life. Christians fall away because they can't keep the rules. Christians fall away because they can't keep the regiment. They can't keep the disciplines, quote unquote. We're working for love, not from love. You're already loved. We don't work for it. We work from it. Because I'm loved, the love of Christ compels me, the Bible says. I don't do it because, I'm, because I need to earn his love. I do it because I am loved. I don't do it because I need to earn his favor. I'm already favored. I do it to manifest his favor. Jesus died to give me favor. That's his glory to me. My glory to him is bringing it forth in my life. His glory to you is his goodness. Your glory back to him is in manifesting his goodness. That's what he celebrates. He celebrates it when what I've given you comes forth in your life. What I've given you becomes whole in your life. When victory, the victory that I died to give you, you begin to walk in it. You begin to not take no for an answer. If God said you could have it, you begin to do whatever it takes to manifest what God promised you you could have. That, that, that's the kind of tenacity that happens. We teach the Christian to accept things. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Who told you that? Right? Doris Day. Que sera, sera. Some of the young people are like, what? Who's she? Whatever. She's the one that sang that song. <clears throat> will be, will be. The future is ours to see. Que sera, sera. That's what we do. Whatever will be, will be. Well, it must be God's will. What if his will was bound to your intention? What if his will was bound to your faith? According to your faith, what? So be it unto you. What if his will was bound to your ability to believe him and to see higher things? Jonathan had that issue. You guys remember the story of Jonathan? Philistines are all around. The leader of, the, of, the leader of God's people is freaking out and hiding in his tent because someone from the culture is breathing out a threat. Does that sound familiar? The culture's breathing out the threat. And the leaders of God's people are in their tent. What are we going to do? Oh, what are we going to do? Don't hate me. <laughs> if I step on your toes, pray for healing. God will heal them. It's all right. <clears throat> They're shaking. Jonathan's like, well, this isn't going anywhere. So he goes off and has an iced tea, lays out under the tree with his, with his armor bearer, his compatriot, his protege, and he's laying under the tree. And he begins to think, it doesn't matter how, this is God we serve. Our God's the infinite God. It doesn't matter if he saves by many or by few. In fact, the Lord doesn't even need an army. And Jonathan told his armor bearer, let's go for a walk. Let's just see if God will do something. And he went for a walk and the Lord met him. The Lord met him. So was it God's destiny that the people be enslaved to the threats of a culture? Was, it, was that God's destiny? No, it wasn't. But the people of God had accepted it as such. And it took one guy who said, wait a second, let's see if God's got a different idea other than the one that we're accepting. Huh? Maybe Jesus has a different idea other than the one that you are accepting. Maybe he has a different idea other than the one that everybody around you has told you to accept. Maybe he's got a different idea. Just maybe. He goes for a walk and God brings a great victory and turns the whole thing around. Destiny was transformed by one guy who chose to not just see it differently, who chose it. What if destiny had, was related to that? What if your destiny, well, God's going to do with me whatever he's going to do with me. Well, he's not going to do much because he works with faith. He's not going to do much because he works with intention. You have to partner with him. You have to listen to him. Go when he says go. Stop when he says stop. Learn when he says learn. Advance when he says advance. 
So you have the inheritance of faithfulness or the inheritance of favor over your life. You don't have to worry about it. Even if you're faithless, God will be faithful. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You were crying. Oh, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to work out. Oh, my gosh, I don't know how it's going to work out. And it worked out. You were completely faithless, but he was faithful because he will not deny himself. All right. Come on. Good God. Good God. That's the measure. That's the measure of favor. What would happen if you said, I'm going through that door? Why? Because the Lord said, I'm going through that door. Well, nobody else had said you could go through that door. That door is locked. Well, so that's only locked for a while. I'm going through that door. How are you going to get through that door? I don't know. God's going to show me how to get through that door, but I'm going through that door. My season's going to change. How do you know your season's going to change? Because the Lord told me. The Lord told me. He said he's going to move over my life like a thunderhead. He's going to come in a veil of glory, and he's going to shake my enemies and drive them from the land and purge it. We just gave you the word this morning. Right? And there's going to be a new day dawning after that. Servants are going to sow the field for me. Servants are going to work for me. Things are going to be brought to me. I'm going to inherit things that I didn't have to do anything for. Where's your faith? Didn't he say it? Put your faith on that. Believe him. Divine favor. So we have the inheritance of favor and we have the, we have the destiny of favor. Faithfulness qualifies you for destiny. You can never qualify for destiny unless you are faithful. You have an inheritance if you're faithless. You can be the most pathetic believer in the world. You can be the most dysfunctional and shout-out person in the world, and you don't have to worry God's love is with you. You don't have to worry God's favor is with you. He's going to take care of you. I am so tired growing up in a, in, a, in, a, in a Christianity that settles for inheritance. They don't even settle for inheritance. Like I said, we can't even, people don't even understand inheritance. They don't even understand inheritance. I've not, when I, as soon as I learned, there's a, wait a minute, there's a destiny? There's a de- First of all, I don't have to live like this. No, you don't. You have an inheritance. Okay, well, I want the inheritance. And then I start seeing the inheritance. And the Lord goes, you like that? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you know, there's more. I'm like, what? There's a destiny. Will you pursue it? Faithfulness qualifies you for destiny. Faithfulness does not qualify you for inheritance. Let's just say that. That's going to make a lot of religious Christians uncomfortable. They're going to get all tight, right? Religious Christians are going to get all tight when I say something like this. They get all tight. Say it with me. Faithfulness does not qualify me for inheritance. Faithfulness qualifies me for destiny. He's going to care for you on your worst day. He's going to provide for you, deliver you, do all kinds of wonderful things for you. And that's what we all should love him for because we can't lose. (laughs) You can't lose. But destiny is where you must be faithful. Faithful in what? The little things. We, our church is rotated around five things. That's what our five dots mean. So it looks like a, it looks like a dice. You know, somebody told me that one time. I'm like, well, radical five. Read your Bible. Commit and connect to church. Financially give, pray, and live on mission. Tell people about Jesus. Those five things in your life are basic obedience for every believer. Basic obedience. If you're doing that stuff consistently, you qualified for faithfulness. You're doing what he told you to do. You're seeking him in the basic things that he's called you to do. That's what determines faithfulness. We need to define what faithfulness is. Read your Bible, pray, commit and connect to church, financially give and live on mission. You will not advance if you're not doing those things. If you're not telling people about Jesus. You know how easy we make it here to tell people about Jesus? We can, you can give the world the finger with just pushing it and, like, and sharing it on Facebook. You're telling people about Jesus, right? Invite people. You say, I don't know how to share Jesus. I do right? Until you learn, I'll, I'll share. We have lots of people here who know how to share Jesus. Bring them here. Share the stream. You're living on mission. You're doing what he asks you to do. But we can't even get Christians to push a share button. What's up with that? Right? We don't, I don't want everybody to know I'm a Christian. Well, that's half your problem, man. I don't want my friends to know. I don't want all my Facebook feed to see that I share a church, church sermon. I don't want to see that. I don't want anybody to know that. Come out of the closet, Jim. Come out of the closet. Come out from among them and be separate. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. But if you deny me before men, you I will deny before your father, before my father. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? <laughs> it's a sobering thought. Bible says this. He was faithful and least will be committed much. Faithfulness establishes us and gives us access to the greater things. 
If you're not faithful in little, no one's going to entrust you with much. I'm going to do all these things. You're not going to do anything if you're not faithful in the little. Listen, you say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a minister. Are you in business? Are you in marriage? God has a plan for your marriage. God has a plan for your money. God has a plan for your business. He does. And you need to be faithful with what he's entrusted to you. And you need to do it the way that he's told you. And when he, or he will tell you. And when you do it, he will bless it. And he will commit more to you. Some people can't get blessed in their marriage. They don't understand why it won't. Because you're not doing it the way he told you to do it. Marriage is painful. And all the married people said. Right. I've been in some hairy situations. But my marriage, man, I wasn't sure I'm going to survive this. <laughs> Afraid of the plane going down? No, nah, it ain't going to kill me. My marriage just might. And if they don't, then my kids will after that. You know, you, know, you need to speak faith. Man, I speak faith all the time. I speak faith into my marriage. I speak faith into my home. But reality is reality. Can we get past fantasy land? Right? It's reality. This is why God gave us his word. This is why God gave us his instructions. If we didn't need instructions and it was all like rainbows and my little pony, we wouldn't need to be told. If me intentionally loving and sacrificing myself for my wife was a natural occurrence to me, Jesus wouldn't have to tell me. Love her. And sacrifice yourself, your pride, your ego, your desire, your right, your wrong for her. If that was so natural for me, he wouldn't have to tell me that. Because it's not natural. If respect and honor and esteeming and finding out what is right in that man's life was so easy for you ladies, he wouldn't have to tell you. You give him one word of encouragement and five words of criticism and then you wonder why he doesn't want to be around you. Oh, it's going to get quiet. I'm here to help you. My name is Kevin. If that was so natural to you, right? Well, I gave him one word of criticism or one word of encouragement. In between the choking, you choked that out and you blowtorched him on the other five things he did wrong. Man, I need some guys to shout. I need some guys to go, praise your brother. But your wife's sitting next to you. So you're like, and she's looking at you going, oh, do you agree with this? Do you agree with this? And you're like, oh, I don't know yet. I haven't figured that out. Maybe I do. And you're like, wink, keep going, keep going. <laughs> if you're not faithful with little, you won't be entrusted much. When God build, build something great, then be faithful with what he's given you. It doesn't matter the area. Who is it? He's talking about money. This actually, this passage is talking about money. Jesus doesn't care about money, really? He talked, the two subjects he talked more about. And it's interesting that the modern church doesn't want to talk about either of them. Do you know the two subjects that Jesus talked more about than anybody else in the Bible? Money and hell. <gasps> the two most dominant themes, two of, the, two of the top five themes in Jesus' ministry was money and hell. Yep. The very thing we want to, well, we don't want to say that word. Pastor, I'm a little offended. You actually use the word hell. Oh, well. Jesus didn't have a problem with it. Read how many times he mentions it. Read how many times he talks about it. Why does he talk about it? Because it's real. Why does he talk about money? Because it matters. He's got a plan for you. God's design is abundant overflow. If he can just get you to listen to him, he's going to activate abundant overflow. But you keep thinking you got a better idea than he does. <laughs> and that's why there's no abundant overflow. Because you keep doing it your way. And he's like, look, this is the way it works. My ways drip honey. My ways drip life, the psalmist said. His ways are full of goodness. Not bad. He doesn't want anything from you. He wants it for you. He was unjust in what is least will be unjust as what is much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, that's money, who will commit to you true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what belongs to another, in other words, if you haven't served and built up another's life, how do you expect anybody else to serve and build yours up? That's what he says. Yeah. If you have not been faithful in something that belongs to someone else, if you've not helped someone else on the way, if you've not helped someone else get established and go to another level, well, then how is it going to come to you? How will it be entrusted with you? God rewards the servants. He rewards the selfless. People don't exist for you. Newsflash. Faith activates doing what is basic and activating into the specific. We do the basic. 
Radical five. We started this church. I asked the Lord, give me something that you want us to base around. He said, I want minimum standard of discipleship. Minimum standard. Read your Bible, pray, commit to connect to church, financially give and live on mission. Five things. Those five things. Basics. Operate in the basics. You say, I don't know how to read my Bible. Read it anyway. I don't know how to pray. Pray anyway. I don't know how to commit and connect to church. Show up anyway. I don't know. No, no, no. Why I give. Give anyway. I don't feel like telling people about Jesus. Do it anyway. He never asked you if it was convenient. He doesn't ask you if you feel like it. He doesn't even ask you your opinion. But that's what activates. Basic obedience becomes the foundation upon which you can build upon. Basic discipleship. That's why people can't build. Well, my house is on the rock. Is it? Is it? Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? <gasps> Jesus is just for me. I can do whatever I want. And he's going to bless me. Who told you that? Pastor so-and-so. Pastor so-and-so's got it wrong, man. You got it wrong. You have an opportunity to walk. Say it with me. I have an opportunity to walk in a level of favor and blessing greater before me than anyone else in my family. Do you know that? You can go to a level that no one in your family has ever gone to before. Do you believe that? Absolutely. I don't care if you're the first Christian in your family or the 50th. You have the ability to go to a level that no one else can go to. God's offering it to you. He's offering it. You must, so what do we do? So, okay, well, how do we activate God's abundant favor? I'm just going to give you a couple simple things. Number one, say it with me. I must believe that it is Jesus' intention to bless me. If you don't believe that, you're not, you, that's the first thing you got to drill down on, is that it's God's intention to bless you. That's why man was created. God is abundant. He has everything he needs, and he's looking for an object of affection. And he created man to be the object of his affection. Adam blew it. Adam screwed the whole thing up. Blah, blah, blah. Along goes the story. So he sent Jesus to bring us back into that relationship so that we could be the benefactors of all that he is. His nature, his fullness, his blessing, his abundance in every way. That we would be a people like no other in the earth. Like no other. Say it with me. Seriousness, Seriousness. is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not dignified, Pastor, the way you're talking. Well, seriousness, Christian, isn't a fruit of the Spirit. Get happy. Jesus wants to bless you. Get happy. Say say with me. Jesus wants to bless me. I got three over here. Jesus wants to bless me. You have to, if you're going to go, if you're going to go here, if we're going to get abundant overflow, that's the first thing you got to put down. God is good. So we're going to say that. We all say, oh, God is good. Yes, Jesus is good all the time. And that good God has redeemed you to himself in order to bless you. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It is the love of God that compels us and drives us forward. His goodness makes us want more. His abundance makes us want more. Jesus is Lord. Do we know that word, right? We all heard that? It's the, it's the, Greek, it's the word Adonai, and it means benefactor. So when Jesus says, I'm your Lord, he's our Lord. Oh, he's our Lord. We all quake. Yes, he's deserving. He's our sovereign. He's deserving of the bowed knee, the bended knee. He's deserving of everything you have. Absolutely. But he doesn't lord over you. In his lordship, he doesn't lord over you. In his lordship, he looks over your life to benefact you. He is the benefactor. He watches over you to provide for you. We got that one. He watches over you to protect you. Can I get a witness? Has anybody been protected? Oh, come on. Has anybody, have you been protected from something that didn't look like it was going to happen? He provides for you. He protects you. He's Adonai. That's his inheritance to you. That's part of it. There's many other layers, but on a simple level. And he also proposes to you. You know what proposes means? Presents another image. Presents another model. So he not only provides and protects, he says, do you want to do this? Do you want to go there? Could it be, do you want more? I have more for you. I have abundant overflow. I can make your life matter. I can manifest destiny through you. I can bring glory through your life. Can I propose this to you? Can I propose? He's proposing it. He's offering you something higher. When Adam was created, it says the day, say with me, the day Adam was created, the the Lord said, 
I bless you. Be fruitful and multiply. He didn't wait till Adam figured a bunch of stuff out and did everything right. The day Adam looked up and said, hey, daddy. Then here comes the bride. And he was like, whoa, man. That's why she's called woman, right? You didn't know that, right? Because Jesus was bringing her down the aisle. That's where we get father gives away the bride because Jesus marched Eve down the aisle. That's where that comes from. And Adam looked at her and went, whoa, man. <laughs> Jesus said, that's right. That's right. There you go. He blessed him on the day of the creation. Adam screwed it up. He began to pursue himself. Sin entered the creation. And man began to partner with demonic lies. Demonic entities, that's the whole kingdom of heaven, the whole relationship of the spiritual world is partnership, has almost nothing to do with the carnal, it's almost nothing to do with the earth, has everything, everything is spiritual. Adam screws it up, creates demonic inflow, literally binding themselves in generations to demonic entities. And the Lord found a man named Noah, and the Bible says he was perfect in his generations, his people had not joined, his eight family members had not joined themselves in demonic, in the demonic things that the whole world had joined themselves in. And the Lord flooded the earth. He got rid of it because he's going to start over. And the day that Noah left the ark, everybody say this with me. God blessed, God blessed. Noah and his sons. What's the first thing he does? He reestablishes the order of blessing. Adam wakes up, hey, dad, whoa, man, you're blessed. You're blessed. First thing he does. Noah comes out of the ark, what's the first thing he does? You're blessed. He reestablishes the order of blessing. And then he gives them something else. He gives them seed time and harvest. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. What does that mean? We reap what we, that's right. As long as the earth remains, God establishes a spiritual law. And he says, if you will partner and participate with me, what you sow into and what you connect to will produce in your life. This is a law. You cannot break it. Well, what comes around goes around. No, it's, yeah, it's, we get that. It's karma. No, it's seed time and harvest. It comes from Jesus. God established it. He gave man a way that says, if you will partner with me, I will manifest my harvest in your life. But the opposite is true. If you partner with yourself and everything that is against me, then that is exactly what's going to be produced in your life. We wonder. Sometimes we need to pray for crop failures because we sowed the wrong seeds, Jesus. Our willingness to partner with him and, and, and walk in the order that he has created determines what he brings. If we walk with him, you're going to get a harvest. It's undeniable. You're going to get an abundant overflow. The devil's going to try to tell you it's not coming. Who told you that? God says, if you sow to him, you sow to the spirit, you will reap life, the abundance of the life that is produced through what I've promised. But if you sow to the wrong things, we reap corruption. That's why it's important. Sow to the things of the spirit. Then God blessed Abraham out of the midst of all of these crazy people. One guy actually heard God and believed God. And the Lord says, you hear me, you believe me. The Bible says Abraham had faith and he was called righteous before the Lord because he trusted him. What makes you righteous? Faith makes you righteous. Faith first in Jesus, you're eternally righteous. People say that uh, salvation, that they were saved by the law. They were never saved by the law. The commandments were never meant to be kept. Abraham was never saved by the law. The law didn't even exist. Abraham was saved by faith. It says that Abraham believed God and the Lord deemed him righteous. When you believe Jesus died for your sins, when you believe he did for you what you could not do for yourself, and you're willing to surrender your heart and your life to that, the Lord deems you righteous. And you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are now right to him. No one ever again has the right to tell you you're not right before God because the Lord says you are. Say it with me. doesn't matter what my life looks like. If Jesus is in my heart and I have surrendered my life to him, I am eternally his. Doesn't matter what's around you. Doesn't matter the noise. You are righteous. Circumstances can't tell you that. People can't have the right to tell you that. The only one who tells you you are right before him is Jesus. And when, you, and when you've given your life to Jesus, he said, That's, that one's mine. Amen. <laughs> That's right, amen. The devil might go, their life is a shot out mess. And Jesus goes, yeah, I'm working on that. I'm in the restoration business. It's what I do. It, but they still belong to me. They be, you belong to the Lord. He blessed Abraham and he said, so again, he establishes blessing. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. 
I will increase your influence and I will bless you. And then he says, I will, then he says, I will make your name great. And you're going to have the biggest and most fantastic Facebook page and Instagram page of all time because it's all going to be about you, Abraham. Is that what he said? No, it's not what he said. I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing. It won't be about you. It will be about what I want to do through you. It'll be about my purposes flowing through you. It will have nothing to do with you. I will increase your influence and I will bless you. Deuteronomy 28, Lord says, if you will have trust in me, and you will do what I ask you. You know what he says? I will command my blessing upon you. How many knows Jesus doesn't answer to anybody? Do you know that? He doesn't answer to anybody. So when the Lord commands his blessing on you, that blessing's coming. So if you listen to me and do what I ask, I'm going to command it. It's coming. I will make you great. I will increase your influence. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. It will, for the purposes of extending myself through you, Abraham, the honor that I pay you is that I desire to extend my life through yours. What an honor, right? You say, well, that's Old Testament, Pastor. That's for Abraham. That's dispens under the dispensation of the pre-Adamite world and the Adamic world. That dispensation doesn't apply. Under the dispensation of the Noadic covenant, those promises don't apply. Under the dispensation of the Mosaic law, those covenants don't apply. Under the dispensation of the Abrahamic law, the Abrahamic relationship, those covenants don't apply. Who told you that? That is not in the Bible dispensations are governmental periods of time that God deemed. It's how he ruled in the world. But our theology teaches us that it's dispensational. So what God did then, he's not doing now. Second Corinthians, say it with me. All. all. Oh, I got Carmen. Do I have anybody else? Say it with me. All, all. the promises of God are a yes. And so be it in Christ Jesus. Here's a problem if you're a dispensationalist. Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, so that what? The blessing of Abraham might come upon all people. What is the blessing of Abraham? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Jesus brought you back to himself to put that blessing over your life. Absolutely. That we might receive the Holy Spirit through the promise of faith in him. So who's the guarantee of your promise? It all comes back to the Holy Spirit. Right? Inheritance. Anytime inheritance is involved, the Holy Spirit's front and center. So he said that the promise of Abraham may come upon you. That the promise of Abraham may be yours. How? Through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's all about the Holy Spirit, man. When it comes to inheritance, he's the arbiter. He's the manifester. He's the executor of the things of God and the things of heaven. Jesus said, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, they will be saved. They will come out. Thief comes not to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have what? Say life. And more abundantly. God's design and desire for your life is abundant overflow. Abundant overflow. But Jesus tells us this. Some of you, you're going to hear this word and you're going to activate it. But there's also something you need to hear. Right? Jesus said, as soon as the word is sown, Satan comes immediately to take it from their hearts. Immediately. So you walk, oh, I don't know about that. You know, God's going to bless some, but he's not really going to bless you. You know, well, I don't know about that. That's not the, you know, you didn't grow up in a church that, you know, you, the way that your old, the church taught you when you were a kid, that's not what this guy's saying. You're dang straight, it's not what I'm saying. I preach kingdom from the law and prophets existed up until, Tom, up until John, but the kingdom is now being proclaimed. We're not preaching denomination we're not preaching denominationalism. We're preaching the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, repent. Why? Because the king's dominion is here. Proclaim the king's dominion. Proclaim the, the king's will and the manifestation of his ruling reign. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world and then the end shall come. It's not the gospel that will be proclaimed. It's the gospel of the kingdom. We have to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. What is the kingdom gospel? I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. God's will and dominion in your life is to bless you abundantly. Don't let the devil steal the word from your heart. Don't let him steal that word. Put faith on it. You have to say it with me. I have to believe that God will bless me. That's Article 1. If you have a hard time with that, say it with me. I am worthy. 
Come on, no, listen, we're, we're charismatic, so we like, we like, and we're in Miami, so we're, we, you know, I mean, you guys are, this isn't like, you know, when I go up north, they're like, mm, they sit there and they stare at me, they're like, mm, okay, cat pastor. I have to like work them to get one person to say, Miami should be like, woo, oons, 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 that's what we are, right? That's what we are. Say it with me, I am worthy, because he says I'm worthy. No one has the right to define me, except Jesus. Say this with me. I do not have the right to define myself. The only one who has a right to define me is Jesus. No one has the right to define you. God's will, it says you are worthy of my blessing. Don't let the devil steal the word. He's going to attack your identity. What do you mean we're going to walk in abundance? Look at your life. That's one of the things he's going to tell you. Look at your life. You've never walked in abundance. Well, you're meeting me on the first day that this is going to happen. Look at your life. Well, I'm so glad, devil. You're here to see. You're here to witness with a manifest changing of the government of heaven over my life. I will be blessed. I will not. I will not partner with things that I've partnered with. I will not be the person that I have been. I will not agree with what I have agreed with, and I refuse to stay the same. God told me I can have the mountain, and I'm going to work. I'm going to go for it. Caleb, it's all through the scripture. I'm running out of time. So say it with me. I must believe. It is God's will to bless me. Say this. And I must expand the capacity of my expectations. You have to expand it. Certain woman, 2 Kings 4, a certain woman of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, said, my husband is dead. And your servant, you know that your servant feared the Lord or served the Lord. And now his creditor is coming to take away my two sons as slaves. This is what happened in that world. They would sell themselves as surety for debts. The Lord told them not to do it. They did it anyway. So this son of the prophet didn't clearly understand the prophetic word of selling yourself as surety. He didn't sell his possessions. He sold his family as surety. And so now the husband's dead and the creditor's like, well, how am I going to get paid? I'm going to call the note. I'm going to take your sons. And so she, in desperation, comes to Elisha, the prophet. And Elisha says, what shall I do with for you? What shall I do for you? That word, what shall I do for you, is the Hebrew word asal. And it means to produce through offering. What shall I bring forth to you? And the very next word he says, what is in your house? You want me to bring forth something? What are you presenting? There's always a presentation. People say, why do we have to present? Because it is the law of reciprocity. It is a kingdom law. It is also a demonstration of faith. When you present something, God acts upon it. It's just the way it is. It's the way God ordained it. And so he says, what shall I do for you? What shall I yield in your life through the offering that you bring? What do you want? What is your expectation? What's your expectation? Do you put faith on your offering? When you, when you do it, do you put faith on your offering? When you give, do you put faith on it? When God calls you to extraordinary things, put faith on it. And he says, your maidservant has nothing in her house but a jar of oil. She says, I don't have what it takes. He says, yep, you got that right. And he says, go into, and he says what shall I do for you? And he says, um, uh, what's in your house? And he says, go and borrow vessels. Go and get everything you can from your navel's empty vessels. This made a lot of sense, right? Hey, do you got an empty jar of oil? You got an empty jar? Anybody got any? You, got any? you want some olive oil? No, no, I just need the empty olive oil bottle. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Here, you want the garbage too? You can have that. You want that? I got some empty coffee cans. I got, you know, all kinds of stuff here. She went to them. Then she took the, the, the vessels, took them aside into her house. And everybody say, she went and shut the door. And then her sons kept bringing her vessels. And as she brought her vessels, the oil began to manifest and the oil began to grow. The oil began to grow and manifest. Say, is that possible? 100% is possible. I don't see her here. Uh, Margie says, Ingrid, they feed the poor, right? And Ingrid told me this story one time. They're out there and they were feeding. Um, um, her family goes out and they feed all these people. And she said, we were feeding people. And we had so many people this day. And she said, there were so many people. And she's like, Lord, I don't know what we're going to do. We don't have any food. We're going to run out. These people aren't going to have enough to eat. And she said she saw the food multiply right in front of her eyes. She said, I don't believe it. Didn't happen to you. Didn't happen to you. She said, I watched it. She said it multiplied right in front of my eyes. 
Is God able to multiply what you need 100%? Is God able to extend what you need? He's doing it right here. And then finally her son says to her, there's no more. God was pouring out so long as her expectation was there. So long as she had empty expectation before the Lord, the Lord was going to pour out. When she ran out of put things to put before the Lord, they all stopped. And so the prophet says to her, go and take the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons will live on the rest. She not only paid off her debt, she had an abundance. She had an abundant overflow. Um, she did what the Lord asked her to do. Come on. Come on. Yes. He says, what do you have? She's like, I don't have enough. And he says, well, what are you willing to sow? What do you have? What do you have, Moses? I got a stick. Right? What do you have? I got two copper pennies. What do you have? I got loaves and fishes. What do you have? What do you have? What do you want the Lord to produce through your offering? What are you offering? There's a guy here. He's a, a Ricky, if you're watching, I bless you. He's like, man, there's one thing. He's guys in business. And he said, I got to tell you, he said, for the first time in my life, I realized God's a deal maker. I'm like, 100% he's a deal maker. He's a covenant keeper. He loves to strike hands. Loves to. You put it out there and say, Lord, I'm offering that. You're making a deal with him. Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do that. If you do this, I'll do that. Say, that's not, that's not very biblical. This is high level stuff, Christian. This isn't, this isn't, I'm not talking about inheritance. I'm talking about destiny. I'm talking about destiny. She put forth something. The people here that say, Lord, if you give me this much, I'm going to give you this much. If you bless my business to this level, I'm going to give it to you now. Be faithful on the way up and then increase it when God gives you the increase. Don't say, well, when I get a million dollars, I'll use him. Jeremiah, he loves for me to tell his story. He likes me to brag about him. It's because God's done so much in his life. Guy came from nothing. Told me he was borderline schizophrenic. He said, if, 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 they, if the psych ward, he's counselor now. He said, if they would have examined me when I met you 10 years ago, they would have diagnosed me bipolar, schizophrenic. He said, they would have either committed me or they would have put me on meds. He just told me this last Sunday when he was driving me home because I was telling him, look how God's brought you. Look how far God's brought you because he presses in. He doesn't play at it, right? He's not a theorist. He's not playing at the gospel. He's practicing it. He's living it. And the transformative power, say it took 10 years. It, took t it doesn't matter if it takes 100 years. How, wh why do you care how long it takes? He's going to do it. He leads you from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. And God's transformed him. And he told the Lord, he said, what do I do? I, wanted, I told him all this stuff. And he asked me about his business. I said, put faith on it. Put faith on it. He said, I can't take any money out of the business right now. I said, well, continue to tithe and tithe out of your business. And tell the Lord, when you hit this threshold, you're going to give everything. You're going to give this amount above that threshold. Give him, give him a number. Make it realistic. You bless me with this much, and I'll give you this much more. I'll make, and, and I said, you're going to have it in probably a year, probably 18 months. He's more than halfway there. And he had zero, zero. And he's almost two-thirds of the way there. I told him, the issue isn't that God's going to bless you. The issue is going to be your faithfulness when he does. I said, you're going to make a deal with God. You're going to strike hands with God. Right? And it wasn't some unrealistic numbers, like 50 grand. Right? He's like, I will give you, I'll give you the full tithe. He's going to give out of his, he's given out of his personal, but he's trying to create a business, not be a wage earner anymore. And I told him, you got to be a wage earner, but you got to create another revenue stream if you don't want to be a wage earner anymore. We all have to be wage earners. But then he started doing all these things. And then I told him, make a deal with the Lord. If you want that blessing, make a deal, strike hands with him. He'll make a deal with you. He's a deal maker. It's a deal maker. Say, I don't believe that. You'll never have it. You don't have to worry. People say, I don't believe it. You don't have to ever worry. Don't ever worry about anything because if you don't believe it, you will never see it. I'm not, again, I'm talking about high level stuff. I'm not talking about inheritance. If you want high level things, it requires, a, there's a different process to that. So what do you have? She said, what, do you, what is it that you are asking me to bring forth from your offering? He didn't just meet the debt. He overflowed the debt. Increase your capacity. That's what he said. You don't have enough. One jar is not going to get it done. If, I, if the Lord fills one jar, that's not going to pay your debt. You have to give him more to work with than that. You have to put more faith on it than that. Not faith, but your expectation and your capacity has to be there. You have to increase the vehicle by which God can bless you. You're believing for whatever, but you're, you're, the capacity that you're working with is not sufficient for God to deliver to you what you're asking him for. 
You have to increase the capacity in order to give him the ability to give you what it is that you're asking for. One jar of oil wasn't going to pay her debt. One jar of oil wasn't going wasn't to give her anything else. She had to increase her capacity. She had to close the door. She, the, the miracles that God's going to work with you is going to be done in intimacy. You have to close the door on all the naysayers. You have to close the door on all your fears. You have to close the door on all your doubts. And you have to do what Jesus told you to do. Close the door. Just a thought. <laughs> what are you prepared for? Have you written down your expectations, Christian? You want to do, you got to believe God's will to bless you. Then put expectation before him and put faith on it. What is the expectation? Lord, what do you want me to expect this year? What are you asking me to believe you for? People say, I'm expected to get married. I say, are you marriable? We're so looking for the other person to fix us, man. Marriage doesn't fix a thing. Marriage exposes everything. Marriage fixes nothing and exposes everything. Preach. Preach. Try it. So are you marryable? Are you positioning in yourself in a way and are you doing the best? Because we're like, oh, I want that person or I want a person like this. I want more. But are you marryable? Are you marryable? That's the question. Do you have a faith that's your own? You want God to bless you with a marriage? Then own your faith. That's a whole other story. We're asking God to bless us in our marriage. Are you marryable? We want to 10x our business. Anybody want to 10x their business? Come on. My question is, is it scalable? Is your business scalable to 10x? Do you have the capacity to meet the, the does your, I have the expectation, but do you have the capacity? You're running a sale company, right? What if God gave you 10 times the business? What would that look like? You'd be like freaking out. You'd be like, what in the world? You should have a plan together in order that God's going to give you 10x. Put a plan together and say, when I get this, I'm going to, this, this is how I'm going to scale it. And you present it to the Lord. You have something prepared that when you give this to me, it's going, I'm going to scale it. I have expectation. I'm putting these jars out before you that you're going to 10x this business. Well, he only increased it by 30% this year, pastor. Happy day. Happy day, right? He's going to do what he, you have to put your expectation on it. You're asking for Betty better health. This is a common one. Are you willing to change your diet? <laughs> I can't give up those burritos, pastor. Most of us commit suicide with a knife and a fork. True. Very, very true. Where's your expectation? Do you have the capacity for God to give you better health? He's not going to give you better health if every three days a week you're chowing haagen -Dazs. It just isn't going to happen. Well, God's going to, I just pray over my haagen every time I eat it. I sanctify this. That this, as I eat this haagen it becomes a nutritious carrot going down into my gullet. <laughs> Pastor, you said, according to faith, so be it unto me. So this haagen is actually a carrot. <laughs> you get what I'm trying to tell you? Believe God put expectation on, but you got to give him the capacity to work with. You got to shift the things in your life. You have to change the things in your life. Just like this woman, he tells her to close the door. Next levels are achieved through intimacy. Close the door on your distractions. Work with me. Close the door on your fears and doubts. Work with me. Believe it's God's will to bless you. Increase your capacity and close your door on every other, every other voice. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to have expectation for this year? Ask him. First word, first impression. That's how he speaks. He's going to show you. I want you to expect me for a better job. I want you to expect me for this. I don't know what he's going to tell you. I know what he told me. And then when you tell him, that's what he, expect, that's what he wants to meet. What do I do with it? I tell people, listen, just write down the expectation and just put hands on it. And just every now and then just say, Lord, I thank you that you're meeting this expectation. The keys to expectation are thank you. don't have to get into this deep intercession of thought and all this really power prayer. If you want to go there, go there. But it can also be simple. Lord, I thank you that you're meeting this expectation. I thank you that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. You're going to say that. And then ready? And then I say, and. I'm going to close right here. And speak nothing contrary. That's right. If God said he's going to turn it around, don't you speak anything contrary. Well, it doesn't look good, but God's going to turn around. God's going to turn around. I don't know how he's going to turn around. He's going to turn around. He's going to turn around. Don't speak contrary to that. Amen?
Amen. Well, we bless you at home. We bless all of you here. And I'm going to get, speak one more blessing over you. But I want you to know, if you're there and you're watching us and you've never given your life to Jesus, he is, gave everything for you so that he could know you. And God doesn't want anything from you. He wants everything for you. And the only way he can give it to you is if you are willing to give, you his, give, you his, give him your hearts. The Bible says all, everybody has a sin problem. It says the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And the penalty for that, the wages or what we receive from being outside of God's glory is death eternal. Jesus doesn't want us to have death eternal. He wants us to have life more abundantly. And so the Bible says that the gift, the offer, the proposal that God makes to you is life. And he says, if you will believe in your heart, he tells us how to get it. He said, if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and he has risen from the dead, you will be saved, right? You don't even have to understand it. It may make no sense to you, just like the woman putting out the jars. It makes no sense, but she did it anyway. God asks us to do things that don't always make sense. He says, just believe in your heart, not your mind. And he says, if you'll do that, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if you will open the door of your heart to me, I will come in and I will be as one with you, communion. I will come in. He's going to do everything he said. So if you're watching and you're here this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus, today's your day. Happy day. It's a 42nd prayer that will change everything about you. Everything will change. So let's pray. Elevate's going to pray with us. If you're at home, watch and pray with us. Right? It has nothing to do with your neighbor. Don't worry about your neighbor. It's all about you and Jesus. Let's just pray. Say, dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior and I need a Savior. I may not understand this, but I choose to believe it. And so I open my heart to you, Jesus, and I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. And I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. And all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we have a prayer team. Yeah, come on. We celebrate all of those who give their life to Jesus. We give you glory for that. And so we're going to bless you one more time. We have a prayer team available for you. Running late because we bless people here. We bless people here. We bless, bless, bless because that's what Jesus wants. So we're going to bless you one more time. May the Lord bless you. Come on, receive it. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may he give you peace. And may you forever Live within his favor in Jesus' name. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week.